Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Sorry for the slow release schedule, it's just that, well, not that much is happening. I mean, over here in Latvia, it's already huge winter. Like, everything's wintry now. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to Ukraine, it's pure Rasputitsa season. The winter ice has not set in yet, so the ground's, well, soft. Extremely soft. So all the warfare is very artillery-based. Now, there are some studies, and uh, I feel kind of sorry that I'm going to skip out this time on yet another form of studies of mobilized Russians complaining about not being given equipment and being sent to die, because that's happening all the time. The important part, though, is that these mobilized Russians have uh, refused to give up arms. But there's so many of them that until something serious happens, uh, it's just not that, not, not news anymore. So, you know, my episodes are limited to what I consider actually changing something in this war. Because yet another squad of mobilized protesting, yet another tiny village changing hats for the, for the nth time, where nothing major actually happens. Uh, yeah, I, I just... I just feel kind of guilty about making episodes like that because, well, Acast is gonna put ads in them anyways, and and I don't want to listen. I don't want you to listen to more ads. Just wouldn't want to make episodes when there's really not much to say on the subject matter unless it's something big. Well, um, right now there is quite a lot of big stuff. Two things, in fact, that are, well, showing. A great impact on the war altogether. Number one. On November the 23rd, the European Parliament adopted a resolution recognizing Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism. The document accuses Russia 
of destroying civilian infrastructure and committing serious violations of international and humanitarian law, which the legislators say amount to acts of terror and constitute war crimes. The deputies also called on the European Council to add the Wagner Group, my best buddies since February 2018, the 141st Special Motorized Regiment, also known as TikTok soldiers, also known as Kadyrovites, and, quote, other Russian-funded armed groups, militias, and proxies to the EU's list of terrorists. Now, Wagner Group are terrorists now. But uh, if you remember the last episode, I spoke about the whole court decision in The Hague. I think that this is tied because, um, you know, nothing like this happened previously. But right now, basically, in the case about the MH17, the court, International Criminal Court in The Hague, decided that the guys who blew up the plane do not deserve competent immunity, therefore there were not sanctioned combatants, therefore there were an illegal armed group sponsored by Russia. And, uh, I don't I don't really think this decision was that well accepted. I think the Hague in this case forced the EU parliament to adopt this resolution because um yeah, if if uh, one of the courts in the European Union, the highest one, the most recognized one says that this is Russia, they have been sponsoring illegal armed groups of terrorists who have been blowing up planes since 2014, then you know it's kind of then you kind of have to adopt this resolution. I don't really think it was out of the the, the goodness of their hearts or something. But uh, yeah, this is I think one of the re- one of the clear uh, results of the whole affair of Girkin's trial with Hague. But this is interesting because well, Russia now is technically a terrorist state just like Iran. Now. How significant are these things? What does it matter? See, resolutions are documents that are very bureaucratic and not efficient at all. Euro Parliament uses to express its position on a given issue. And they can address any topic. They can make a resolution saying that Eastern Border is a great show or something. But uh, resolutions are not binding for EU member states. Researchers call them a tool of... um, Soft law. Though they're not mandatory, they can have practical consequences. In June, for example, the legislative body adopted a resolution on violations of media freedom and the safety of journalists in Georgia. That document didn't have any direct legal consequences, but it allowed European deputies to show that Georgia had still not met the criteria of joining us, you know, in the EU, and describe the conditions the country would have to meet to, for that change. So, what will will this change for Russia? What what does this actually mean? Well, the tricky part here is why I'm paying so much attention to this, is the fact that the very term, state sponsor of terrorism, simply does not exist in EU legislation. There is no laws about this. The decision itself will not have legal consequences for Russia. However... The deputies called on EU member states to develop a new legal framework for designating countries state sponsors of terrorism and, quote, states that use means of terrorism. This, they note, would trigger a number of significant restrictive measures and, quote, have profound uh, profound restrictive implications. 
for the EU's relationship with Russia. <sighs> and uh, once again, they couldn't because of bureaucracy. There was no chance they 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 had to do it because the Hague said Russia did this. But right now, this is like. Uh, Deep concern, extremely deep concern, deep concern to the nth level. Everyone's a bit more worried about this, but like once again, this is this is where I kind of lose my faith in EU a bit. I think that, uh, well, basically, EU Parliament should be a bit more active. See, at the same time, the UK Parliament. Is also discussing declaring Russia a terrorist state. And there's a difference. State sponsor of terrorism and terrorist state are two different things. See, um, if you're making deals with a terrorist state, then all your money goes to killing civilians. But if you're making money, if you're making deals with a state sponsor of terrorism, then you can't really prove which dollar or euro goes to, you know, killing all these people off. So that's way easier. Also, well, on on this happy note. Turns out that the vast majority of companies who have uh, announced leaving Russia have not done so. The list is, the list is extremely short. I don't know. People are getting into some sort of calm state about this whole matter, and uh, that worries me a bit. However, you know, maybe this terrorist state, state-sponsored terrorism thing will work. British Foreign Secretary James Cleverly recently told members of Parliament that, were, that there were grounds for such a designation, but that he did, quote, not want to speculate in public about future designations. On October 13th, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, PACE, also passed a resolution calling on its member states to declare Russia a terrorist regime. International law expert Gleb Bogush told one of my sources in The Insider that the measure was a quote-unquote political gesture that will have no legal consequences, which uh, I'm really afraid of. However, well, another area that I'm happy about is the fact that, again, Central Europe, Central Eastern Europe, the ex-Warsaw Pact countries, we kind of show solidarity. See, the parliaments of Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland, and the Czechia have all in various ways declared Russia to be a state supporter of terrorism. However, in none of these, none of my country, none of my country, not in any others, did this carry significant legal weight. Our statement, Latvia's Saima statement, for example, called on EU countries to stop issuing tourist visas to Russian and Belarusian citizens and expressed solidarity with the Ukrainian people, which is what we've doing, what we have been doing all the time. And this just shows that, yeah, our politicians in the, the parliament, they're great people when it comes to technocracy and all that stuff, but uh, when it takes a spine, well, uh, they don't have any. So, will, uh, will this actually change anything? And the answer is simple. Yes, if the United States does it. See, if Russia were added to the United States government's list of state sponsors of terrorism, it would trigger the freezing of Russian assets, new sanctions, visa restrictions, and most importantly, the removal of foreign sovereign immunity. This means American courts would be able to consider legal claims against Russia and use seize use Russian assets to, to satisfy them. The United States currently considers Cuba, China, Iran, and Syria to be state sponsors of terrorism, by the way. And uh, I think Russia 
very well falls into this list. Several bills calling on the United States State Department to declare Russia a state terrorism sponsor have already been introduced in Congress, though not have passed. The experts have speculated that if Russia were added to the list, the United States would lose some flexibility with its sanctions policy. Since, uh, well, I guess the White House wouldn't be able to lift specific restrictions without removing Russia from the list. This, this measure could also lead to further escalation. Uh, those are the things that American experts warn us about. Now, the problem with, with all this situation is that yet more escalation with what? I uh, I don't think much more escalation is even possible or anything like that because it's so weird. And, you know, when I want to hear news about new artillery and new tanks and everything being delivered to Ukraine so that this war can finally end, and then I see this. Well, this is a good thing they at least move this, you know, half an inch which is 1.25 centimeters, but whatever. This is this is just one of these depressing times in, in, in winter where you look at the thing which your politician does and then you notice that, well, if you look at the substance of it and if you spend three minutes researching it, turns out it's just nothing. And I really did want to present this in, in a beautiful, nice light, like progress and moving forward, but... Uh, yeah, then research got into the way. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. However, well, no matter the farce of the Euro Parliament and whatever happens there, Putin manages to create a surreal uh, society of his own. That's uh, that's the next subject here. But uh, first of all, I'd like to thank all my Patreon supporters. Really, really thank you. We've been saving up money now uh, about the January drive. We have um, some sponsors who want to finance part of our journey, which is great. I have found a driver in Latvia. That's an old friend of mine, one of the engineers who made the uh, the diesel from uh, the used tires. He's ready to take a vacation in his job. By the way, he literally builds drones to send to Ukraine, military drones, secret stuff. So I won't tell you his name. But our plan so far is to save about 1,500 euros 
just to buying a very old used crappy car which my engineer friends can fix up and then we can just drive to Ukraine and then drive back and uh, well quite likely leave it on the Polish Ukrainian border for you know anyone else so if you know if you have a beat down car and again I don't have driver's license yet so it's going to be uh, my driver guy the engineer dude but he doesn't want to risk his own car because we're going to use it to drive to the front lines but yeah if if you're uh, somewhere near in the Baltic states or Poland or something and if you have a beat down car which you're ready to give us for cheap or maybe donate or something i don't know or we we we'd be super happy to have one currently we're looking at the ladas but they're super fuel inefficient we just need a car that's going to become our going to ukraine to the front lines car because otherwise i spent so much on the driver and everything out of the whole budget that was about one third of it so yeah that's a thing so we're trying to save a bit and uh, secondly if you want to support whole, this whole idea without this mess uh, yeah uh, you can go to theeasternborder.lv and click the donate button and you know form a one-time donation for our show We'll be very happy about this because, yeah, it's been a bit rough and it's winter. And uh, as you can tell by my voice, I'm getting a bit more depressed. But don't worry, happiness is mandatory. Just dealing with uh, all the very irrational news. Oh, yeah, and uh, I still haven't abandoned Twitter. I still hope that doesn't die. And I'm there. And I respond to messages there when I when I get there. But, uh, yeah, lots of work. At any rate, I also hope that all the Americans out there who listen to my show had a nice Thanksgiving and that all the Latvians had a nice Independence Day. Because, you know, our own little celebrations. At some point you gotta celebrate what you have, you know, a bit. Because technically, technically, Putin finally showed up and showed some responsibility as well. And this is, uh, again... But I'm very sorry about this, among the darkest stories I've ever published. Kremlin reports, and I'm reading titles here, that Putin met with the mothers of soldiers at his personal residence. Now, that would be nice. But I'll uh, read you another, uh, another headline paralleling this one. Quote, Vladimir Vladimirovich, are you a man? When military mothers and spouses demanded an audience with Putin, the Kremlin scheduled a meeting with several women. But activists and critics aren't invited. Yeah. Putin just managed to stun people who have been apolitical, who have believed him, and uh, who actually expected something to be done. Because this was so fake and so cynical that I couldn't even. Putin technically reportedly met with the mothers of soldiers participating in the war in Ukraine. This was reported by the press service. This was in the president's residence and everything, and uh, at the start of the event, Putin said he decided to talk with soldiers' mothers so that he could hear their assessments and blah, blah, blah. The problem is that this was a massive failure. The trick is, judging by the video released by the president's press service, 18 women took part in the meeting. The Telegram channel, Mozem Oblesnich, claimed to have identified several of the participants, including Moscow official and United Russia deputy Olga Belyatseva, or Russia People's Front regional head Yuria Belyakova, 
en er orechova zhutchevo Russian civic chamber member Marina Bigunova. According to these guys, the person sitting closest to Putin was director Olyese Shigina, who makes Payrag films. Basically, he made a meeting, called it meeting with the soldiers' mothers, and didn't invite any, any mother whatsoever. Furthermore, it was exorcetical, because the fact that it would be faked, you know, in the Russian media, everyone knew that fact. But how awful it was done, it was, it was just ridiculous. See, in the whole meeting, there is one of these mothers that comes up and shows a, a, shows a picture of her son, technically, right, who has died, died heroically in this grand battle against Ukro-Nazis. The problem is, if you just do a Google image, re- reverse image search, you'll find out that this guy died in 2014 already. He had nothing to do with any of this conflict. And, you know, after all the situation about how the soldiers' mothers, you know, how they're, how they're sad, but how they support Russia and everything, you know what Putin had to say about all this situation? Putin managed to state that, uh, you know, it's better than they die as heroes, uh, because, you know, uh, so many people die in Russia because of alcoholism and, and, and deaths of traffic accidents, that this is much better. He was, like, sarcastically laughing, even. And this thing, this thing has struck those people who are like Putin's electric. Because if you, uh, if you remember from my earlier shows, and by earlier I mean uh, episodes about a year and a half ago, then Putin's electric, like guys who actually, and girls who actually support him, are women aged about 50 plus, okay? So, um, yeah, he's pissed them off. Because currently, and this is coming from the reporter Maxim Katz, which I don't really, you know, like that much, but still he... he expressed this anger that's going there. The main electorate of Putin is now, uh, by this one action, super angry at him. Because at the same day when this super faked, super staged, super nothing meeting happened, news came out that the casualties in the war are just going according to plan. Yeah, and it's just weird. See, in the beginning of the war, and I remember that thing, people were... um, thrown out uh, of, of public TV for even mentioning that Russia even had casualties. Right now, they're all going according to the plan and everyone's being told not to worry about them because, yeah, yeah, it's fine, you know, better that they die this way. Dying has been normalized in Russia. There is no glorious victory anymore, nothing. This this more and more looks like World War One. It's insanity because, truly, people who've been, like, trying to be apolitical because it's safer for them and for their own work efforts... They're becoming more and more active. And as Maxim Katz reported, more people are dying daily than in the Kursk catastrophe, than in Beslan tragedy, in all these places where in in the past Russian populace has been like weeping and really worried. And now it's just normalized again. I mean, the more I look at this whole war situation, the more I see the reality is just changing day by day. But, uh, but yeah, about this fake meeting. Well, this turned out a bit weird, because, uh, you see, now we have this protest actually here. The beginnings of something, at least. The Council of Wives and Mothers is a grassroots organization uniting women whose family members served in the Russian military. Its leaders were understandably surprised when they heard about the President Putin's meeting with several, several military mothers 
However, not a single member of their group was invited. Council organizer Olga Chukanova responded with a video where she insists that the president should have, me- should, should have met with real mothers as opposed to the tame women Kremlin bureaucrats handpicked for the occasion. Let me remind you that they're all handpicked because Putin's actually not a genius. He's never participated in the real debate. The only election, fair election he participated in, he lost. So, you know. And uh, it's a powerful, powerful statement coming from them. Quote, Vladimir Vladimirovich, are you mad or what? Do you have enough courage to look into our eyes, openly, and meeting with women who weren't handpicked for you? Women who aren't in your pocket but real mothers, who have traveled here from different cities at their own expense to meet with you. We are here, in Moscow, and we are ready to meet with you. We expect an answer from you. Are you going to keep hiding from us? We have men in the defense ministry, in the military prosecutor's office, in the presidential administration. It's all men, including the, including the president. And mothers are on the other side of the divide. Well, are you all going to come out for some dialogue? Or, or will you just stay in hiding? And it's just... Sad, truly. Valentina Medinkova, the secretary of the Union of Mothers' Councils, told the Russian publication Verstka that no, no one at her advocacy organization has been invited to the meeting with the president. Quote, If they invite us, we'll think about it. What are, we to, what are we to talk about with Putin? What a peace-making meeting, meeting, organization, she said. An unnamed Kremlin source told Verstka that the authorities are now considering the possible creation of, a, of an alternative state-sponsored, quote-unquote, patriotic military mothers' movement. That's still unverified, though, but quite likely to happen. And uh, just to remind you, since late October, soldiers' family members in 15 regions across Russia have staged protests demanding the return of their loved ones from Ukraine and humane treatment for the soldiers while they're in the army. As usual, nothing ever really happens. Like I said, this war is getting surreal. There are problems on all sides, and uh, I'm reporting from it as much as I can. I wish that if war f- about, you know, movements on the front lines and Ukrainian victory, but I guess I should more activate myself as well to push on some people. Because if I feel like, you know, I'm being let down and not doing enough, then, well, maybe that's the reason why people and you and other places are forgetting about this. Time to get on to this stuff, then. I suppose so. Sorry for a bit of melodramatic episode or something, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. At any rate, the Sedanya Tarish. And as always, remember happiness is mandatory. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. 
Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.